RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Thursday morning is Money Talks here at uh, Reality Check Radio with Farzan Arani, who joins me again. Farzan, good to talk with you again. We're ready to join some more dots. Here we go. <laughs> we sure are, Paul. Good morning to you and all the listeners. Okay, so this is interesting because um, just uh, before before we came on uh, to do this, we were chatting and you drew my attention to an article on interest.co.nz regarding central bank dis, um, digital currency relating to New Zealand and some coincidences in there. First of all, they used a word that you used last week, tokenization. So what's happening here, do you think? I think they're listening to RCR. <laughs> That's what I think is happening. I'm just joking. But I think they're listening in on our conversations of what people are talking, maybe. But just let's just have a laugh. Yeah, it's this morning. Um, I, I recommend um, our listeners go on to interest.co.nz and look at um, an article in there when they're talking about the Reserve Bank's fourth step towards the potential introduction of a CBDC. And in that, they say we're currently on stage two. So at least some people now listen to us and go, nothing these guys are saying is cuckoo. It's all out there. They're telling yeah. us we're in stage two already of the central bank digital currency. And they're saying that should wrap up late 2023. Let's remind our viewers, we're already in July. Yeah. So we're not that far off. Or early 2024, it says. And it says, oh, we're really far away from introducing this. Years um, away, they say. I'm reading that's it right what now. They say, right? That's what they have to make it sound like. Uh, then why are they trialing it now? So as we've spoken before, uh, they'll create the crisis and then they'll ask, do you need help from the government or would you like us to step in? And that's how they bring in their CBDC. And the crisis will be that you could lose your savings in your regular bank. Uh, one of those crises could be that, yes, absolutely, a bank going bust. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to blame the banks, as again, we spoke last week. And they're building up the rhetoric, right, to blame the banks. They're irresponsible, windfall profits. You can hear everything that's being said in the media now. As I said, it's all about perception. They'll try and throw the banks under the bus. And also talking about um, the funny thing you said was tokenization. And I'm, yeah, I'm maybe surprised. we should remind our listeners what that is again, specifically. Sorry yeah, to jump in. Yeah. Um, well, as I said, they'll break down your assets into small tokens, let's just say into little bits and pieces, whether it's $100 a token or $10 a token. I, I don't know exactly how they'll do it. Um, but certain assets will be broken into that so people can leverage themselves more. Uh, right now, you might just have a first mortgage with a bank. Some people might have a second mortgage with maybe a second financial institution behind that. Now, you can use your equity to even get a personal loan or top up your credit card or something like that. So you could use five tokens there and 10 tokens there, and then there'll be multiple entities having a claim on your assets, on your property. And that so could be any asset, right? So it could be a car, it could be furniture, it could be uh, what a a membership somewhere. I, I'm just trying to sort of uh, imagine what it could be. Is it anything that could be tokenized? So they could end up, a bank could end up, or, or whoever's lending you the money could end up owning uh, components of multiple possessions of yours. Is that right? Yeah, sure. And that's why you loan nothing and be happy. Well, okay. <laughs> because you'll be so over leveraged at some stage 
where you'll just say, take it all. I don't care anymore. So you'll own nothing, but supposedly you'll be happy because you won't have the stress of paying the debt, which is again a fiction. As we've said, um, the money doesn't exist. But this is where they're trying to take us. And the funny thing in there, mate, is uh, they're talking about central bank digital currencies and they surveyed, um, we, we were talking about the BIS, which is the Bank for International Settlements uh, last week. And in this article, it clearly says that they have surveyed 86 central banks about their involvement in CBDC. So now, again, we spoke about lockstep last week. Yep. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is exactly where they're going to take us. And once they've taken us there over the next year or two, it will fail. But if people think it's not coming in, they are dreaming. It is coming in and we have to be prepared for that world because they've been planning this for a long, long time. Well, I noticed that the uh, in the interest.co.nz article that we're referring to here, um, they say stage three, we're at the, they say we're at stage two at the moment, but stage three would involve a more detailed design and assessment of a CBDC plus significant stakeholder and government consultation. Who are the stakeholders, I wonder? This stage would last several years. At its conclusion, the RBNZ would decide if it wanted to if it wanted, what about us, uh, wanted to actually introduce a CBDC in New Zealand, likely to need government sign-off. And then they say stage four would be the introduction of a CBDC. But they're, they're still couching it in terms of basically a digital form of fiat currency. So they're not making the distinction that we make all the time in public, it seems. Yeah, and that's how they've got um, the little thing over our eyes right they're like it's just it's just the same stuff it's just different but as we highlighted in um, some of our previous chats currently we also have digital currency anyways it's all digits on a phone or on your app so yep. we've psychologically already disassociated with the paper currency or plastic or whatever that is in our hands and it's funny you just mentioned that what do they say we, we, we won't do this without the government's approval so in one one sentence, they try and make it sound like the Reserve Bank is different to the government, which it is, but the government is a shareholder of the Reserve Bank anyways. And the whole point is when we have a crisis, the government will then say, oh, okay, we have to help our citizenry. So let, let's just give the Reserve Bank the authority to issue this sooner rather than later. And one of the things that I mentioned in my previous calls is that they are in direct competition with the banks because as i mentioned to people if you think the banks were the banks are supposed to be uh, monitored by the reserve bank the reserve bank is now saying we're going to compete against the bank so it's funny you read out that sentence i just want to um read something else out in this article for you um it says the rbn's director of money and cash ian wolford he talks about this is going to help us protect New Zealand's monetary sovereignty, which makes no sense because how is a central bank digital currency going to help protect that? And then it goes on to say, which could be threatened by private forms of digital currency. So for some of our listeners who might think your Bitcoins or your some digital currency might be a way out, they will make it illegal. So because that is comp competing with the Reserve Bank, central bank digital currency, or technology firms, it says, 
And it also, he clearly says, a CBDC could spur competition and innovation in a domestic financial system dominated by a handful of very profitable banks. Do you remember what we spoke last week? A handful. Profits. Yeah. 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 So now they're telling you, New Zealand, look, New Zealand, we only have four or five very profitable banks, and this is just going to spur competition. But the Reserve Bank is not supposed to compete against the banks. Does that make sense? I wouldn't have thought that they were in a position to make a decision. Um, again, reading from this article, um, RBNZ would decide if it actually wanted to introduce a CBDC in New Zealand. Well, you know, there's the rest of us to consider. And I guess when they say likely need government sign-off, the government needs to be confident that the citizenry and the electorate is happy with this. But it doesn't sound like there's any plan for any consultation or asking us at all. There won't be. There, there definitely won't be. Do you remember the consultation processes they had during COVID and stuff? Yeah. That you can really still, well. hey, you can tell us what you think. We're still going to do what we want to do. It doesn't matter. They're not going to listen to us. I mentioned last week as well, all governments around the world are going to become more authoritarian because they're losing power. And when when someone starts losing power, there's more of a power grab. So they're not going to ask us. They might do a consultation process and I think also the consultation processes get shorter and shorter and shorter. How many people knew about the World Health Organization, the WHO, trying to do that pandemic treaty where they wanted to take sovereignty of all governments? There is no media coverage about these kind of things. And it's only right now because I've highlighted to the listeners, look, they're openly talking about this. They're putting it in our perception, saying, look, we, we told you so. The Reserve Bank is looking after central bank digital currency. I hope the banks are waking up to the fact, and I and I and I think some of the boards of the banks will be waking up to the fact that if you have a central bank digital currency, you don't need a bank. Yeah, well, that's um, that's what I'm wondering. So why would you, why would you want to maintain actual banks? That they, they would be they would be gone as ultimately anyway, wouldn't they? That would be the aim. Um, yeah. But uh, what, what what I've kind of said is this is going to be a fight between um, public. Uh, when I say public, as in not the people, I mean public as in the government and private entities. And uh, the government's going to try and consolidate power, and people will then look towards private organizations and businesses, which will have to step up, clean out their game, to fight this whole power grab. Um, don't know exactly. Again, I might lose some clients on how this might uh, be our listeners, sorry, on how this might play out. But that is exactly why I said they created the problem in the first place. They dropped interest rates so low that now people are in mortgage stress, which then impacts the bank's balance sheets, which indirectly makes the banks go bust. Um, let me, I, I don't know if you want to uh, sway away from this conversation yet, but this is exactly why I said. During the global financial crisis, the problem we had was residential real estate. Yeah. This time it's going to be commercial real estate, thanks to COVID. Um, let me give you some, some I've, I've dug up a little bit because we said we will talk about uh, what's happening in the international uh, market and stuff as well, right? So the simple thing, as we mentioned about commercial real estate, just, just to understand how big this problem is, uh, it, the commercial real estate loans, coming up for renewal in 2024 is 500 billion. Right. 
Half That's a, a lot of zeros. I, I would ask people to go into Google or something and just type in 500 billion and count the number of zeros. That's half a trillion dollars yeah. of commercial wow. real estate debt coming due in 2024 and 2.5 trillion coming due in the next five years. Now, 500 billion was coming due next year. And the last couple of years, it was sitting at zero, one, one and a half, two percent. This is America and globally I'm talking about. Yep. What do you think happens now when the interest rates have doubled, if not tripled? And people know that commercial real estate is riskier, so the interest rates have gone up even more on those things. So we have a double whammy, first of all, is because your cost of capital to support this debt bubble, uh, bubble has already doubled, if not two and a half times. And the occupancy rates are down about 40 to 50%, depending on which city you're in and stuff like half, that. Up to half. Up to half in some some cities. And I will give our listeners some examples today of what has already begun. And again, unfortunately, we're not hearing this in the New Zealand media or any of our media of what is really happening. It might be happening behind the scenes as well. But the U.S. banks are extended to about 35 or 40% in real estate. And, And U.S. is actually quite good, right? Because in the U.S., they lend to businesses more than just real estate. Whereas right. in countries like New Zealand, Australia, Canada, which I've said, we're in the business of flipping homes. Yeah, that's our okay. business. <laughs> this is our business, right? That is yeah. how the economy grows, supposedly. Um, buy three houses, do them up and sell two of them, if not all three of them. So I think New Zealand, Australia, Canada are going to have a real awakening because it's about, if the US banks are extended 40%, I can assume I, our banks are extended at least 75, 80% back by real estate, whether it's residential or commercial. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and uh, let, let's just give you an example. Let's give you, I'll start giving some examples. So when we talk about California, obviously these are some democratic states in the US where let's just say the government's not making the right decisions and there's a lot of yeah. crime and homelessness. California and is one of those. I think. You're yeah. So California. Yeah. in California itself, I'll give you an example of uh, San Francisco, right? Which is like the, apple of the eye of america so to speak of uh, silicon valley and all of that it it has the highest office vacancy rate of about 30 percent in america and this is one example that westfield now most listeners would know who westfield is yep mall operator yes center operator yep westfield and their partner brookfield properties literally stop payment on a 558 million dollar san francisco center um which is its largest shopping mall. That's $558 million loan. They just so they just like payments. pulled out of it. They just said, done, we're done. We're not paying. We're not making any more payments. That's okay, the key. And, and you can Take walk it, away, do what you want to do with it. We don't care anymore. So there's commercial, away. and I've highlighted to people as well, these commercial properties are bundled up, just like during the global financial crisis. Your residential properties were bundled up and sold to pension funds and insurance companies and all of that. So when the bubble bursts, your insurance company could go broke. Your superannuation fund could go broke. Okay. There's a lot of, yeah, you see how the global financial crisis yeah. is going to yeah. be the mother of all kind of financial crisis. But that's just in um, San Francisco from an office as office mall kind of a perspective, right? Used to be a beautiful city. Not so much now, apparently. No, no. Yeah. And and we last week talked about how people were traveling again and this and that. People aren't traveling to certain places. So again, let's stop talk about San Francisco. Hilton 
in San Francisco, and there's another hotel called Park 55, have both stopped mortgage payments. Really? They're just stopping mortgage payments. And that was a $725 million loan. So the group is called Park Hotels and Resorts. They gave up two of their hotels in San Francisco, which is the Hilton and Park 55. They just stopped mortgage payments. They said, so, we don't so want when to they stop anymore. paying the mortgage, that's just like walking away. Walking away. Just give the bank the keys and say, we don't want this property on a book anymore. And then it's a problem for the bank. Bank. And then the market is in no real health to absorb that, right? I mean, sure. no one's lining up to buy, <laughs> buy the assets. Well, yes and no. So no one's buying it. No one's buying it. And that's why now we connect the dots. So why did BlackRock doing COVID come and buy up so many residential properties? So now let's talk about, I give it to the bank. And we've mentioned what, what the banks really do is they purchase securities. They're not lending you money. They're purchasing a security. So in this case, they would have purchased the security of the mall and its cash flow or the hotel and its cash flow backed by that commercial property or that hotel. Um, the owners just handed over the keys to the bank. First of all, the bank's taken a massive hit to, to its balance sheet. And that's yeah. why we saw the likes of your Silicon Valley banks, your signature banks, first Republic banks already starting to collapse yeah. and more domestic smaller banks will collapse. But let's say, for example, I give it to a bank. Now, I'll give you a Baltimore example, which is one of the other states. Out there, there's an office tower. It was a 30-story building, which in 2015 sold for $66 million. Right. Okay? So in yeah. 2015, it sold for $66 million. In June 2023, it was sold for $24 million. Crikey, that's huge. That was a 63% discount. Yeah. 63% on what it was bought for just seven years back. Gee. So now the bank doesn't care. It needs to get it off its balance sheet. Yeah. Write off a little bit of a loss if it can. And everyone walks away or they extend and pretend. Another one in Baltimore. Now, these are examples, obviously, of cities that are a little bit more drug infested. And after COVID, what has happened and people walking away because of the Democrat governors are just doing brain dead policies. Uh, people in uh, and there's just crime everywhere. People are going to medical stores and stealing stuff. But another example was a 69% discount. The, the the building actually finished in March 2018, and there was a loan of 80.1 million against it. It just sold for 25 million. So that's wow. a 69%. Let's just say 70% yeah. discount. That's huge. In three, three, four, five years. Yeah, I spent a bit of time in Baltimore um, about uh, oh, 15 or so years ago. Stayed there for a couple of weeks. It was a very nice city back then. It had a few problems, but it wasn't crime infested like it is these days in the suburbs on the outskirts. They had some real nice um, suburbs there. Okay, so um, that's just going to keep happening then, isn't it? Those sorts of the, the crashes in value. Absolutely. Keep- and, and, and I'll just give you one last example because I went through the effort of finding it. Um, there's a group called Starwood Capital Group, right? And this is in Atlanta, which is an office tower in Georgia. So I'm just trying to show these are different states. Not all of them are blue states. Uh, Georgia is a red state. Yeah. And they defaulted on a $212.5 million mortgage back office tower. So you've been not hearing anything about this in New Zealand, Australia. People need to know what has already begun. And I would highlight to people during the global financial crisis, people think, the GFC happened in 2008, 2009. It started about a year before that. 
Yeah. So the rumblings had started before that. People who knew where to look positioned themselves before the fact. And then came the GFC, what they call the global financial crisis. So the stuff has begun. Do not wait till yeah, everything starts happened. collapsing in your face. It's already started. Yeah. It has already started. So just, just, just think about these cities. And this is what I'm saying. It's what does Auckland City look like nowadays? And and it's funny you say about the crime. I read again. This is this is not related, but there was some shooting in Auckland City. Uh, yes, there was the, at the beginning of um, uh, well, the end of last week. Yes, there was. Yeah. So now, if you're an office worker, you're saying, "Can I work more from home rather than risking?" As the city gets more and more dangerous to be, you know, there's nothing really left in the city. Why would he go into the city? And then well, the, the thing is, if you take cars out of the city too, that compounds the problem. It becomes even more of a sort of like a ghost town. So, and and that's um, that's happening all the time. Cyclists, um, sorry, cycling nuts, but they're not the, the the car drivers are not being replaced in numbers by cyclists. But here's the thing: it's the the lack of awareness. And here's an example. I don't know if you've been getting um, material from the Free Speech Union, but there's a lot of uh, talk at the moment about this um, overhaul of our online content and media regulation regime that's going on at the moment. And um, it's not really being reported here. And polling by the Free Speech Union is showing that only 23% of Kiwis are aware that our current laws um, addressing harmful content online are there. And only 25% are aware that these proposals for new internet and media super regulator are on the way. So this, the point I'm making is this hits, it happens, it becomes a fait accompli before really anyone knows it's here. Yeah. And they talk about public consultation, right? Where yeah, was, it. they're just going to pass laws. They know what they have to do. As I said, different countries will do different things, but the whole point is they have to take us to Agenda 2030, which means taking away your freedoms, which means first bringing in the central bank digital currency. So, Paul, then you can't speak your mind because most people will then self-regulate because if they can't... Of course they will. They will self-regulate, right? If they think there's a threat to their economic health, they will self-regulate. There's no question. It's not just economic health, it's survival. Well, yeah. How are you going to feed your kids if you don't have money to buy food? Unless you're a farmer yourself. So 80% of the population will just self-regulate, but it gets to a tipping point where people just say to hell with this. And um, there's always a saying, you, you when your back's against the wall, watch out, right? You can do that to 10% of the population, but when 40% of the population has their back against the wall, there's nothing else to lose. Yeah. That's when they become dangerous. I'm, I'm not saying, I think New Zealand's a very calm, peaceful country, um, but eventually when people start getting angry and they see what's happening overseas. And again, that's why maybe in the media, they don't tell us what's happening overseas about the France riots or the Israeli pilots or, and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Why don't we get told? Are they worried it will happen here? They oh, don't want this sort of um, people understanding what's sort of going down. I've always wondered if it's, if, if it's done on purpose or they're so dumb that they just missed the story. It's being done on purpose, obviously. Why would I tell you something so you can think for yourself? And uh, most people aren't thinking for themselves, but the whole point is, as I said, as inflation gets worse, uh, people will start waking up and realize it's not uh, the thing going up in value because everything's going up in value. Is the currency um, losing its purchasing power? And that's when 
most people start talking amongst themselves and realize we need to get rid of the cash as soon as we can to buy something real. It's funny. I just want to bring up something I was trying to explain to a friend of mine just recently. Now, we talk about inflation, and this is a term that she hadn't heard before. And I said, shrinkflation. And she said, what? And I said, shrinkflation. Um, it's the opposite. So when companies realize that there's a cutting off point where people go, I can't afford this brand anymore. So I'll go to the home brand or the basic brand or whatever it is, because it's getting too expensive. And if you just don't have the money, you just don't have the money. So you got to replace it with a cheaper alternative. What companies do is they realize their margins are getting thinner and thinner because the customer is tapped out, as I've explained, people living off savings and credit cards. So if you look at packages, right? So this the, the, the joke years back used to be the Big Mac analogy, the shrinkflation. So if you looked at your burger, uh, the burger patties get thinner and thinner and thinner. Obviously, the price is going up, but it's not going up that much. So psychologically, you don't realize it's gone up a lot. So the other day, we're just doing a McDonald's drive-thru just once in a while if I've if I just uh, you're don't allowed have no to do option, once I don't while, like, person. I don't like it, but yeah. we obviously got the, I'm just trying to think what the burger was, but um, um, the quarter pounder. And yeah. I said, this is as thin as a Big Mac patty now. So the, and that's what I was trying to explain the shrinkflation concept, but people go to supermarkets and look at your toilet rolls, how many sheets they used to be, or a packet of chi chips you used might be 195 grams and the packet looks the same. Yeah. The contents inside about 165 grams or 150 grams. So that's called shrinkflation. It's still inflation, but so you don't realize companies will start reducing the content of what you're getting. So you're still getting less for your money just, so just keeping out now, these kind we? of things we're st we starting to see the price go up but also the quantity shrink yeah so both time. it's a double whammy again it's a double whammy on well, so subtle front. right so it's subtle because you wouldn't pick it up unless you've heard me say this or your packet size actually gets smaller so the outside container will still look exactly the same they just have to change how many grams how how, how, how many ml it is yeah. And most people won't even pay attention. No, they don't look. As long as it sort of looks the same, they might say, oh, there doesn't seem to be as much of this as there used to be, but that might be all. Um, I note with the supermarkets, the Countdown are rebranding to Woolworths uh, in New Zealand, and they're talking about spending $400 million to do just about 130-some stores. So that's where, that's where your money's going, mate. <laughs> it is. I think people are now... Well, some people are realizing as these house prices come down and everything starts um, collapsing on itself, the basic stuff everyone's going to need is food, survival. Forget all the fancy handbags and the boats yep. and the fancy cars you used to drive. In fact, there's another thing as well. If you, They say in an economy, start looking at used car sales. So you got to see what's happening with the car sales and how many people are buying. And I know a couple of people who are car dealers and they're struggling. Okay, So if you don't need to buy another car you will just get it repaired and stuff on so there's signs of where you can see where the economy is already suffering and as i said my people just will decide to just concentrate holidays will reduce spending will reduce there's just this roll on effect that keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming which means then businesses suffer which means then they have to lay off more employees and more employees they lay off the more people go on the dole and stuff which puts more pressure on the government for handouts and stuff it just it just spirals out of control because of recession. We said New Zealand's officially in a recession. 
which causes an economic collapse. People hoard and they spend less because they don't know when the next, they might get a next job or a pay rise. Yeah. Or yeah. Because if they ask their boss for a pay rise, they might end up losing their job. Um, and what happens is when people hoard and spend less, that's obviously causing deflation because the velocity of money drops. Money is not changing hands as much. That same money is not going around and circulating in the economy causing that effect of I am feeling richer because people are spending less. Businesses shut down, people lose jobs, everything starts getting, yeah, out of control. Um, I We're, don't not see, there yet. We're not there yet. Yeah, so I'm going to say, I don't, I don't see the, the, the hoarding mentality kind of hasn't kicked in, though people who are listening to us might be thinking about that now, but it, it doesn't seem to have kicked in at any level that you could sort of uh, notice it. If we go back to what we started talking about, and that was that, interest.co.nz um, piece on the central bank digital currency. They're in what phase two expect to be through their uh, third of four phases, um, either the end of this year or, or next year. If you are saying that there has to be some sort of collapse event to herald in this move as a solution, right? Problem, what is it? Reaction, solution kind of yeah. thinking. Then this is all only about 18 months away. Um, when you say, yeah, yes, uh, I could, I would probably say something's going to happen even sooner. Um, really? Okay, end of, sooner than that. Well, I think so, mate. Um, we might have a problem. I'm not saying in New Zealand, I'm, I'm saying there could be a global thing even before the end of this year. Right. But that's going to always affect us too. Of course, New Zealand's so small, 5 million population, whatever the world does, uh, we can't go, oh, we're just going to do our thing. Uh, as I said, uh, first of all, our leaders are on the same page as some of these countries. Uh, the second thing is we're too tiny to have a say in anything. Uh, it's the big countries which will come. So this this uh, next month, uh, August 22nd, also, I don't know if you've heard, the BRICS countries are coming together. Brazil, yeah, South Russia, Africa, yeah, India, yeah. China, and South Africa. Yeah. Um, they have their conference, and there's some talk that they might launch a gold-backed digital currency, uh, a gold-backed BRIC currency, so there's USA. I'm not going to talk about anything about that on the radio uh, right now. Um, but there's obviously a multipolar world, which I mentioned in the first couple of weeks. There will be a Western way of doing things and there'll be an Eastern way. The Eastern guys are the ones who have all the commodities. They have the real stuff. The Maybe, Western yeah. democracies have just printed and taken on debt. And um, they, they will find out very soon that if you're not self-sufficient, your magical digits on a computer screen aren't going to buy you anything because if the East doesn't sell you these products, um, you're in deep trouble. And if you think about New Zealand being so far off, we import our, I don't know, gas, petrol, whatever it is, if, if there's no shipment and there is a war that starts off, what happens then? Um, over the weekend, there was uh, the wheat silos in Ukraine again bombed, yep. uh, which means Russia has also said we're shutting down this corridor because two levels down the conversation is, Russia is saying we allowed for these as a humanitarian effect, but maybe the Ukrainian government was smuggling arms in those shipments, right? In the empty ships coming in, yeah. Yeah, so so that's going to mean your wheat and all of that uh, prices go up. Um, the OPEC countries get together and decide, man, because their income comes from selling oil and all of that, the Saudis and all of these Middle Eastern countries, their, their revenues selling oil and crude oil and all that kind of stuff. So they think if the price drops too much, they just reduce production. It's demand and supply. Yeah. Because they need a higher price to sustain their economies as well. 
petrol is already close to three dollars a liter i think depending on which one you fill in your car yeah or yeah. if it goes to five six dollars a liter how are you gonna because not only will petrol go up but the new zealand dollar might drop so how are you gonna fill your car and that's what they want right they want fewer cars and roads yeah uh, it's funny yeah. when you were saying they're trying to take cars out of the cities somewhere in london now you're not even allowed to take your car into the city in certain parts of the city you just can't well that's where let's get on quickly to 15 minute cities and um we're i'm mentioning that because um again we before we started we were chatting and you were drew my attention and i think i'd heard it already in the media that um sylvia park um shopping center in auckland um is i think that's a westfield development and they are talking about um uh, creating a mix now between what retail shopping center activity and actual residential on the site have i got that right is that is yeah. that the new way is that trying to find the value as you know you're talking about those uh, collapses in value at us buildings gone down you know over 60 percent is that one one way of hedging against that or delaying that well it's not hedging i, I did read an article some time back and that's why i brought it to your attention that westfield uh Sylvia park had mentioned oh we'll look at building some residential towers and we'll make this like a 15 minute city hub right so yeah that's again the story they're telling you what you got to understand is they're having conversations with their lenders whoever the syndicate of banks is it won't be just one bank because when there's these big big transactions um there might be two or three banks that come together let's say anz asb and bnz might all fund so they're diversifying their risk i don't know which banks but i'm just giving you an example yeah, yeah. these bigger transactions so the banks are negotiating behind the scenes saying where's your cash flow coming from because as i said if if the vacancy rates are low and shops businesses are leaving so then the directors of the board of directors of that particular investment have to say where the cash flow is coming from otherwise the bank can pull the rug from underneath them so it doesn't even does not just only fit the 15 minute city the board of directors of westfield would have or, or the sylvia park thing would have had to go to the bank and say, listen, if we did this, then we could get at least rental income, sustain it till two or three years. As I said, banks also have to extend and pretend because it hurts their balance sheet. So right. if you can think extend about Sylvia and pretend. Park, okay. yeah. extend and pretend, that's what yeah. it is. The bank yeah. has to extend and pretend. At least, as I said, in America, people just hand over keys. That's why you're seeing the regional banks starting to collapse out there. And that hasn't ended. I'm telling you, before yep. the end of this year, you will hear in America more banks going bust. Okay? There's a fortune teller <laughs> joke. Okay, there. well, yeah. Um, fortune cookie. That's, that's yeah. And, and, and that's going to happen here as well. But the banks know that they have to extend and pretend. They'll say, okay, can you just at least pay us interest on this for the next your and let's reassess it as i said working in commercial corporate banking this covenants put in place on commercial transactions a home loan is very different to a commercial property loan uh, there are covenants put in place which are actually monitored every three six months depending on the company and how bad the results were or how the bank structured the deal it might be a three-month uh, covenant check which might be an icr ratio which is an interest cover ratio how much your revenue is to the interest cover alone there's a DSR ratio, which is your debt service ratio. So the bank might say, forget the debt part, just cover the interest. So one is to right. one. So yeah. they have to make enough to at least cover that. Otherwise, they can't even sustain their debt. And just going off topic, just for one tiny second, what happened just before COVID also, as I mentioned, I knew they had to throw something because in September 2019, the repo rate shot up 
which is the Federal Reserve, the the rate at which banks interchange money amongst themselves. Yep. Now, if you knew that rate shot up, they have to reduce the interest rates. So they had to create an environment. I've lost my whole chain of thought of what I was going to uh, say out there. Oh, yeah. But they had to drop the interest rates that low. There's zombie companies. They're called zombie companies on the New York Stock Exchange. There's a lot of companies who just borrow enough to pay the existing debt off. They can barely sustain their debt, interest payments. There's just, just Google zombie uh, companies in the U.S. And right now, people might say, oh, such a bad time. Why is the U.S. share market going up? There's only 5% of the share market. Actually, there's companies like Apple, Amazon's pulling up the stock market. The rest of the stock market is struggling because these zombie companies cannot even afford to pay off their debt. Sorry, pay off the interest interest cost. Right. Now, if the interest cost was 2%, two years back, and now the interest cost is 5%, who's going to lend them money? And can well, they? how long can they keep this going? No one will. I'm picking the answer to that. And it's just a, it's just a matter of how long it takes to go down, isn't it? Exactly. And that is it. So the banks are extending and pretending. Different countries' banks are extending and pretending to different levels. I'm just asking our listeners to not wait till the SHIT hits the fan to be prepared. Start preparing now yeah. and then just get on with your day. Don't wait for everything to collapse before you start planning your life and what you're going to do. Prepare for it now. If you know there's a train coming at you, just get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And that involves so, what? Um, reducing as much debt as possible, all those absolutely. common that, common sense things. That's yeah. just free advice I'll give anyone on the radio. Well, it's not fi personal financial advice. Yeah. Reduce your debt as much as you can and as well, just keep as much debt as you think you can service two times over, three times over. Yeah. Uh, but there's other things also because not everyone just has debt. People have wealth. Um, in you got to preserve that too as much stuff. as you can, right? Well, you want to preserve it, right? Preserve yeah. it. And, and, and I tell my clients this one thing. They say, oh, don't think of this as the times that have gone. You're not trying to get rich through this process. You're Just not survival. trying to make wealth. Yes, it's preservation. You want to preserve as much of your capital as you can because I keep telling them everyone's going to lose something. Okay. Everyone's going to right. lose something. The ones who become wealthy and are rich on the other side of this are the ones who lose lose the least. Okay. So your aim is to lose less than most people. Yeah. Which is how you will remain wealthy. You're not going to get rich through this. Forget it. Well, maybe um next chat we have. So next Thursday we could uh, maybe if if you think it's appropriate, we can kind of uh, and I know that you don't want to give specific advice. I get that because we're not here for that. We're more general sort of overview of things. But what can be done to preserve wealth with that level of uncertainty around, not trying to gain from it necessarily, though any preservation will be a gain, I'm picking. But maybe we should try and think of um, ways that um, that can be done that everyday people can do and that that is effective. Uh, is that something we should look at, do you think? Uh, unfortunately, can't do that on the radio, Paul. But yes, I, let's just do it now in a very short form. Reduce okay. your debt. Don't buy stuff you do not need. Yep. Save for a rainy day. Uh, think about what the traditional financial system, and if you know banking and digits, think about outside some of the financial system. And as I said, save for a rainy day. Don't buy anything you don't need. Yep. Um, and just have lots of liquidity and a little bit of cash up your sleeve if you know uh, where to keep it and what to do with it. Um, 
because let's say again as i said when property prices collapse and stuff or whether then it goes into high deflation collapse hyperinflation go up the government will just what if they increase your taxes on your property from 10 percent to 50 percent so i tell people yeah it's great to be debt free but do you have enough liquidity if they double your land taxes yeah. Do you right. have money to actually keep paying that? Otherwise, they have the right to take your property off you. Um, so something as simple as that. Again, on the radio, I can't do that because everyone's situation will be different. No, I understand. Yep, yep. And yeah, I could be seen as saying something because people will hear something. But as I'm saying, as the economy slows down, uh, as these commercial properties are taking a hit, uh, we're not hearing about what's happening in America. But when America catches, well, sneezes, uh, the rest of the world catches a cold, this also links back to BlackRock is the largest landowner in the U.S., as I said. They're buying real estate and single-family homes and turning it into rental houses. And they, they could do that here too, right? Of course, of course. And that's what I said. If you think well, you kept asking me why she met, what could yeah, be anything. why? Maybe they yeah. come in and snap up all of this stuff with cheap U.S. Federal Reserve money, and then they just rent it back to us. Um, just what the Australian banks are taking the profits. Now maybe BlackRock, sees New Zealand as too profitable and uh, buys assets on the cheap um, and just that's what they're doing. They're buying single family homes out there. Uh, BlackRock, there's a company called Blackstone in America. So it's rental housing. You will own nothing and you'll be happy because you get to rent it off them uh, but you'll have to work then to keep and if they yeah, there'll be no the rent, sitting around enjoying your um, your necessarily an early retirement or you're, you're going to have to keep on at it, right? Well, that is it. And that's what you thought. There, there will be useful idiots who will just sit at home and play video games. <laughs> but if you have something to offer society, they'll want you to work. And that will be your CBDC and your UBI. Um, or they might just cancel some of us and push us out of society or whatever. And there will be that also. I think 5 or 10% of the population will just go, we don't need your stuff. Well, we well that might actually stuff. be more appealing than living in this sort of kind of dystopian exactly. digital prison kind of environment. You know, go live off the land again and hide in a forest somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but how long are you going to hide alone in the forest? So I think we we as a nation and as listeners, we need to come back to the basics and helping each other out. Yeah, uh, no, People who have a lot right. of land can start thinking about building even, I, I know a client of mine is trying to do that, yeah. build smaller homes um, yeah. so you can house people and different people will have different skill sets. So you, you, you are helping each other out. Someone can teach English to the kids. Someone knows how to cook well, they can cook. Someone can grow plants and vegetables. One could be a plumber who could help with the plumbing on the property. All that stuff. So you going back to those days. Just like it came together on the lawn of parliament. Yeah, yeah. Look exactly. what happened there. People pulled together and before you knew it, you had a whole functioning community anyway. And that is it. They will try and divide us. So I think we need to come together and think who's the common enemy here. It's not black versus white or male versus female. On 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 a very funny note, if we are ending, do you know Miss Netherlands is a um, yes person who converted to be a woman? Yes, that's yes. the crazy world we're living in. And what I read this morning was Miss Italy. Uh, the the competition said no, we're not going to allow. Yeah, that. we had that in our news um, oh, did earlier in the week. Yeah, they said no way. We're 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 staying with um, you. Got to be a woman. To yeah. Be so what changed there? Right, the Italian Italy. prime minister changed. A year back, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying she's the sm the best. Uh, she's on our side. Uh, all I'll say is she. Well, when the tides are turning and this Spanish elections going on as we speak, the elections are going more right. Yes, uh, they are. And yep. and that is why some of these politicians go. I can only push so far before 
people wake up. So now they're pushing back on some of these policies um, as well. It'll be interesting, as I said. I already know who's going to win the elections in New Zealand uh, next year. It is not that hard to predict uh, if you yep. have some functioning grey cells, but this is it. You've got to swing the pendulum one way, gone too far, let's, let's swing it the other well, way. Well, so people, people are, are actually aware. This is the thing. Um, you, you get the impression that the awareness is quite low. So, you know, here we are sitting talking about these things. We're joining up dots. People are listening. They're going, yeah, I get it. But it's only a small number at this it point. Is. It is, unfortunately, because the listening population are the ones who are wise and are woken up. So they actually give us their time to listen to us because they know what we're saying makes sense. The average person, and this is what I'm saying, man, the way first week, what did we say? This is a debt-based monetary system. Yep. They're stealing your time. If my mortgage payments have doubled, now I need a second job. I have to work longer hours. Not most people are on salary. Some people might be uh, on a 30, 35, 40-hour, uh, they're lucky, uh, hourly rate. So now they have to work 60 hours instead of 40 hours. You don't have time to listen to all of this because no. your boss is yelling at you, asking you to do something. Yeah, more, uh, more, more. Most people have to take up two jobs, three jobs. They're going to be exhausted. Uh, People are going to be exhausted. It's all on purpose. It's designed on purpose. So do you think they have the time to do this? They don't have the time to listen to this kind of stuff. It would be nice. And that is why the normal media will not tell them the true stuff. And people like us have to bring it to people's um, reality, not perception, to the reality of this is happening. We talked about CBDC and tokenization last week. And now interest.co.nz today has an article and they have very, in the entire article, they've used the word tokenization once. Yeah. Most people reading that will not know what it means. No. But I explained it last week. Yeah. It means so, that they can own any percentage of anything that you've got. Well, depending on how much you have. But from the there. most innocuous through to your biggest item. There you go. Well, if, because that is it. They're going to put it on a central bank digital currency and on their international ledger yeah to tokenize it break it into smaller units um and, and and the tokenization is a smaller unit so in in australia when i was in corporate banking let's say one person can't afford to buy a big mall so there's actually companies out there who might buy a 60 million dollar mall and you can buy a unit in it so it's just like yep. the unit trust i'm buying 10 units yeah and each unit costs this much just like that it's reverse and it's tokenized so they do that with be... private jets in the states they fractionate the owning so exactly um, it's like your timeshare yeah. right yeah but you're tokenizing the other way around you're giving them your asset and yeah. then you're tokenizing the smaller bit so you are using up your last bit of equity as i said they're already going after your last uh disposable dollar when they ask you do you want a holiday now paid off over the next 12 months so do you want to buy a shoe now which you can't afford 100 dollars yeah. for a pair of shoes so they're going after your last dollar. And and when you are just hand to mouth struggling to survive and there's a collapse, you will lose it all and you'll be happy because you don't need to own it. You will be happy. Yeah, we'll be happy, supposedly. All right, Farzan, good to chat again. Plenty to think about there. And people should go and maybe have a look on that uh, interest.co.nz website. Search out the, uh, see the central bank digital currency story and you'll um, see kind of the timeline that's being talked about, which I must say matches what we've been talking about since we've been chatting, Farzan. In fact, it seems to me that that it's closer than I ever thought possible. So here we go. All right. It is closer because the system is collapsing and the powers that be 
know that, especially in Europe and Europe's pushing towards the CBDC faster, then they will have capital control. So you can't, your capital can't leave your own country. Again, yep. that I talk personally with my clients and all of that stuff. Again, not something for the radio, but um, yeah, be careful. It is approaching us faster than most people think. Okay, Farzan, thank you so much. And we'll do another Money Talks this time in a week. All right? All right. Thanks, mate. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.